Hello, and welcome to the Digital Odyssey, here on Hawk Radio on Acre.fm. The news, technology, and stories of the electronic entertainment industry and its effects on our culture. Today's episode, Blender has a new major release. And I'll be talking about the new consoles that are going to be coming out and discuss what I might end up being picking up. Here's our opening song of the day. Listening to the Digital Odyssey on Hawk Radio on Anchor.fm. 
What you just listened to was Everything is Alright by Gen Gao, which it is, and it is part of the soundtrack for the game To the Moon. It is a story-oriented RPG maker game made mostly by one person. The singer that you've heard was uh, Laura Shigihara. There we go. Laura Shigihara. My bad. Uh, I chose it because, well, it was such an infamous part of the game. Uh, without too much of a spoiler, uh, it was... Uh, the, to the, the game To the Mood is a game about uh, some... about doctors who have invented through their company have invented a way to alter somebody's memory and this game is literally a one of those patients that these people go to to alter their memory in order to make these people believe that they've accomplished their life dream with without really actually doing it so that people on their deathbeds can die more satisfyingly. It's pretty dark, actually. This was sung, without getting too detailed as to this specific part, uh, this specific patient in the story, this was played right when the machine was pressed, was set to overwrite the patient's memories. And the kind of sacrifices that you've had to make in order to change how these people is, how these people have affected their lives, this one person's life, really. You've basically retroactively changed their life while simultaneously not having anything happen. While also simultaneously, you know, like none of it being matter because none of it was real. It was such an emotional part of that um, of that game. I highly recommend you play it. It's a rather short game too. You can uh, if you if you dedicate an afternoon to uh sitting down and playing th playing through it. Um you won't be disappointed. It's not very long of a game either, but it's still a great story to experience. So, moving on to our news today, Blender releases it has a new has a new major release, version 2.90. So with the new version of Blender, uh, they all, uh, they always have a new splash screen, and this one is a, a sort of, it reminds me of the old Firefox logo. It really does. And it looks really nice, too. In addition to this new awesome-looking splash screen, it was actually submitted by the community to be, be the splash screen. And they've also made the uh, project, the project file for um, the splash screen, uh, you know, what made, went into making the splash screen available to download. So I had to look through it myself and I was quite amazed at how it worked, how everything was put together. I really wish I was creative enough to do this myself or at least make something this good. I do, uh, do frequent, um, the usage of Blender, however. So, um, that's why I'm quite excited for this release. So, uh, key bullet point is actually they have a lot of new things coming out of this uh, release, which is why I decided to dedicate an entire news segment towards it. 
is first they have a new procedural sky system. So um, in order to provide accurate realistic light, uh, lighting, uh, especially when you're uh, trying to uh, render things photorealistically, uh, this is, oh, is you need a, 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 a real sky system that behaves like this. They call it the Nishita Sky. Uh, it was based off of a research paper led by Tomoyuki Nishita from the Fukuyama, uh, no, Fukuyama University in Japan. And it basically, uh, uh, you know, long story short with that paper, it basically proposes a method that takes into consideration um, of a whole bunch of different atmospheric things and all that when it comes to uh, a sky and how things should be colored in a 3D scene. Uh, of course, this works in all of Blender's included render engines, including Eevee, the real-time rendering engine that was produced. Um, and basically think of real-time as, uh, as game engines, how they have to produce really nice-looking graphics and be fully interactive and very... Uh, yeah, very interactive in real time in, in terms of how um, the player interacts with these games. It's basically the same technology that's going on. Um, and Cycles, which is a cinema-grade production renderer uh, that literally simulates light and how it, it, it's uh, rays that bounce off everything and into your eye. This is uh, incredibly physically accurate lighting, but it takes absolutely forever to render. It really does. So, Eevee has had some new changes. Uh, the entire is um, the entire engine has been rebuilt from the uh, rewritten from the ground up. Uh, not the entire engine. The entire motion blur component of the engine has been completely rewritten from scratch. And because of that, it supports a whole bunch of more thing uh, more things to motion blur. This includes hair. Mesh de deformation, so that's uh, when you have a character that mo is that is rigged up and moves as if it was a human. We'd actually have, you know, as if it was a living being. We actually have mesh de deformation for that, and much, much more. All of this was very much a long time coming. Uh, very grateful for this. Include is an includingment. Another great step towards getting EV production ready. All in all. We've also got some cycles improvements as well with the implementation of Intel Embry, which is sort of a, um, a software component that speeds up CPU view uh, based uh, rendering for these incredibly photorealistic production cinema grade production render engines. Um, what the big improvement that they've um, that they've noticed is that um, the improvement in speed when regard with regards to motion uh, renders with high amounts of motion blur. Back when they were producing the the um, short film Agent Three Two Seven, which is based off of a um, Brit British, I believe, comic book, uh, they've notably had some pro is some challenges with. Um, during the fight scene that they would have, because this is, you know, comic or book or whatnot, uh, you got to have those action scenes. These uh, fight scenes where the protagonist's hair would move very quickly in these fight scenes because he's on the top of his head, 
and the whole body's moving fast, and ha would have high amounts of motion blur. And the way that they structured, structured cycles is that this was very expensive to compute. <laughs> so it, it took a very, very long time to do. So, uh, in fact, it was like a five times improvement overall with uh, that scene in general. So that was very much welcome improvement. They've also implemented open image denoise, Intel's open image denoise within um, the render settings as well. They first brought it to um, Blender through the compositor. They literally just added, added it as an option in the denoise node and you would get your denoise just fine. But uh, now you can get open image denoise uh, without having to dive into the compositor, which is great because the compositor is node-based, not exactly the most fr user-friendly. Well, the biggest thing that they've had, biggest improvement that they've had as well is sculpting. He's some awesome, awesome things going on with sculpting. Now, a quick rundown on what digital sculpting is, is basically imagine clay sculpting really, that you, you clay sculpt characters or any other kind of figure that you would do as a piece of art. Well, this is basically the digital equivalent of it. Rather than taking a bunch of shapes, like squares and triangles, and putting them up together in a certain order, in a certain orientation, that it all makes sense and looks like something, this is more of a creative shape-oriented oriented approach to where you would add more vo volume to certain areas or you would take it away in certain areas and you would just gradually build detail uh, as you go. Again, it's very much like sculpting in real life, but you're just doing it on a computer. Those of you who want to get into 3D art, I highly recommend using uh, sculpting, trying out sculpting for your first round of art. You might actually find it quite enjoyable. I do, myself. The first we have is the inclusion of a new cloth filter. To bring you up to speed with filters, they're basically operations in sculpt mode that apply to the entirety of an unmasked area of your mesh when you're sculpting. Uh, we have the cloth filter, which literally just simulates uh, your mesh as a cloth in sculpt mode, and you actually get all the little folds and wrinkles as your cloth, the cloth moves. It's really awesome, and it saves a whole bunch of time when you're trying to just put clothes on a character or make some curtains or towels or something. It's really awesome. And in the, uh, we also have the addition of the pose brush or a new and improved pro pose brush. And this basically allows sculptors to mod is to sculpt the characters or creatures in such a way that they're able to get easily access to all the different parts of a creature or their character and get all the details that they want, especially anatomy-wise. And then, without the use of a rig, pose their character in whatever way they want for to uh, before they render something out. That is, again, one of those incredible time savers and really helps um, people make some really cool looking art. Speaking of simulation, now all simulations done in Blender are uh, all volumetric simulations anyway. So that includes smoke, water, and fire. Will now by default be stored in OpenVDB files. 
OpenVDB is basically a industry standard of interchange file format that allows uh, other programs to store volumetric data or all this simulation in a standard way so that now a whole bunch of programs, including Blender now, can easily send data between each other. This is really, really great because, again, it allows Blender to be integrated into more high-end studio pipelines and get Blender seen in more and more high-end studios. That way we get more jobs in Blender, which then we get more people developing in Blender due to its open source model. It's really an overall win-win and a great thing to see with Blender, especially considering um, the scope of its long-term growth. Next, we have Operator Search. Its operator is um, the Blender has a whole bunch of operators of actions that are very difficult to memorize where it is in the menus or the keyboard shortcuts for them all. It's really crazy. It's ridiculous. As a matter of fact, it's kind of a hallmark of Blender to have so many different crazy uh, keyboard shortcuts. Uh, for different operations as you're using them. It's gotten to the point where people actually made, there's a whole bunch of different keyboard shortcut uh, cheat sheets out there. Just go ahead and Google right now, Blender keyboard shortcut cheat sheet, and just look at the absolute ridiculous mess that Blender has put itself in uh, through Blender 2.79. And search has been a great way for newer users of Blender to, they recall what a certain operator was, they don't, but they do remember the name of it. They don't remember where it is in the menu and they don't remember where it is, um, how to access it with the keyboard shortcuts. They're able to just pull up the operator, click on it and move on. However, they've redone that search menu and now it has a number of new improvements. It now shows where in the menu system the object, uh, the operator is located, and it also shows the keyboard shortcut that it's associated with. This is also a welcome improvement, but they've also added a few options once you've right-clicked those search results as well. Right-click the, on the search results, and you'll get an option to add to Quick Favorites, which is a very accessible uh, command that is context sensitive to whatever, wherever you are in the software and allows you to, um, if you have a hand, number of operators that you've used consistently and you don't want to give yourself carpal tunnel trying to, <laughs> gosh, use all those keyboard shortcuts, you just right click on the uh, operator and at click add to quick favorites and you have yourself a nice list of things that you use frequently. In addition to the right-click to add to Quick Favorites option, just below that in your right-click menu, there will also be an option to add a new keyboard shortcut to those operators. So some of those pesky operators that don't even have keyboard shortcuts assigned to them, you can go ahead and throw some more keyboard shortcuts just to make everything nice and more confusing for yourself. Go on ahead, you know. All for the sake of a better workflow. Speaking of workflow, the UI layout has been further refined and they've compacted a whole uh, many, many things into a much more easily and quickly read layout. In fact, from the transition from 2.79 to 2.80, they've had a big, uh, the UI has had a big overhaul, not for the sake of it being more user-friendly and feature discoverable, even though those were two, um, you know, very um, 
highly focused on things, but it was actually for the sake of improving the workflow. Somebody who's already experienced in Blender could take is begin to work inside of Blender and really notice um, the quality of life improvements that would come with the a redesign would. But it doesn't end there. Before moving to 2.78, stats like the number of objects in a scene, the number of triangles and faces were very easily accessible, but this got axed in the name of a much-deserved UI redesign that I mentioned earlier. I am happy to report that those stats are now back and very easily accessible as well, and they are displayed at the top right-hand corner of the viewport whenever you turn them on. But that's not all the stats that you can get. Stat, more stats like that can actually be added to the bottom status bar of the UI so that things are much more accessible. New stats have been added to the status bar, such as used video memory has also been included. Last and maybe least, if you're a user who plans to use Blender and never leave it, or but certainly not least for bigger production houses who use uh, more so uh, more than just one piece of software and would like to include Blender in their pipeline is improved external compositing capabilities. Blender has the ability to solve for th camera motion uh, given the footage that you give it and also solve for lens distortion. So it can export the video feed for, uh, that has been distortion corrected. Then it then you can export that to the likes of Nuke, use Nuke to composite everything together and make it look all pretty, and then reapply the distortion in Blender. Nuke from the Foundry is the current Hollywood high-end compositing software standard, and both Blend Nuke and Blender are highly scriptable in the Python programming languages. So big studios would have no problem highly taking advantage of this. Phew, that was a long stint of release notes reading. Overall, uh, I am very excited with it, uh, with this new release, and I can't wait to see what other people make with this wonderful improved software. Blender developers, I raise my glass to you. Excellent form all around. Coming up next, we'll be talking about the new consoles that are going to be coming out likely sometime in November. Stay tuned.
jump up in the air. Jump up, don't be scared. Jump up and your cares will soar away. And if the dark clouds start to swirl, don't fear, don't shed a tear, 'cause I'll be your one-up girl. You are listening to the Digital Odyssey on Hawk Radio on Anchor.fm.
what you just listened to was known as movement one of the jazz video game music melody um produced by mr uh, i believe as a music artist he calls himself insane in the rain music he is a very avid uh, video game fan who loves who who who's really a big music theory guy he produces is excellent excellent jazz takes on on video game music and some of the best music out there is of course composed for video games my opinion of course you are all entitled to your opinion but if your opinion is not that of mine you are simply wrong <laughs> so uh that was movement one it's actually a three movement piece and uh, i highly recommend that you go check it out it is an excellent excellent piece go actually just go check out him in general is um he makes he makes great great music he's in the midst of re is of recreating the entirety of um the pokemon diamond and pearl soundtrack basically he calls it the year of Sinnoh project Sinnoh is the region in which that those pokemon games take place and uh i gosh i forgot as to why he was doing that but i think he was speculative on the fact that these games are going to come out sooner or later <laughs> that uh that that um that game was going to get remade as per the usual suspect of how game freak typically develops their games so with that out of the way again go see Go listen to Insane in the Rain. It's, if you, if you like get video game music at all, just go listen to him. He he's an absolute ma master at what he does. And at what was it, especially if you go on YouTube, you actually pop open the description, and he has a multi paragraph for basically every song. Really, he has a multi paragraph write up about what he how he's analyzed the original song, and. It, and gave it a jazz spin and how it relates to music th theory. This guy is a huge music theory guy. He's really, really good at what he does. So, moving on. The console wars. Namely, the two big consoles that are going to be coming out likely this late November. The Xbox Series X and Xbox Series S, and the PlayStation 5. So, uh, for what we know right now, we actually have a good amount of information to where I believe uh, some purchasing decisions can be made. So, let's start off with the Xbox Series line of consoles. So to start off, Microsoft over, overall is taking a very consumer-friendly approach to this uh, generation of consoles. As, uh, I'm not saying that Sony isn't really giving you m uh, much value, but Microsoft is really, really pushing the value end to their, cons to their uh, platform this time around. Namely, backwards compatibility. First off, you can use your Xbox One controllers. This is huge because once you spent a bunch of money on the console, there's also the cost of buying the games. And there's also, hey, you want to play, you know, you, does Timmy want to play, little Timmy want to play Halo with his friend when he comes over after this whole coronavirus thing ends? And does he want to play him with him, uh, with his friend 
on the couch right there next to them, yeah, you're going to have to pony up like 60 or some odd bucks more for the controller. But if he, if you owned a uh, Xbox One, you'd be able to hook up those controllers because they're functionally nearly identical, really. So that's actually great, all those controllers and accessories, including the Xbox, uh, was it the accessible controller that they've had for... Um, for players who have, um, I want, I don't want to say uh, deformities, but it's it's very control is it's very uh, built off the fact that it, the whole thing is supposed to be very accessible for people who are not fully, um, you know, coordinated, who are not able to um, have you know the privilege of two working and perfectly well functioning hands. So on top of not only it being um, more consumer friendly, but also, you know, being a big champion of accessibility for our hop for uh, my favorite hobby, I'm definitely going to give some points to Microsoft on that end. And on top of that, they have a large library of Xbox's growing backwards compatible games that'll work just by inserting the disc or uh, the digital games that you might have bought off of Xbox. Again, that is also huge. You spent, even though you spend the money to invest in the new platform, all of those games that you bought previously will not be left behind. That is a great, great addition. Now, as far as games is concerned, I want to say Xbox may not be lacking in terms of the actual games that they have on their platform, but what they're really lacking is exclusive games, games that you're going to have to buy this console if you want to play. It, they just don't have really all that much in the way of exclusive games, especially if you have a good gaming PC yourself. Um, namely a Windows PC, of course, which is still, you know, a Microsoft platform. However, what they don't have in games, they do have, or actually in exclusive games, they do have in, again, value. They have this uh, subscription called Game Pass. It's a subscription to a large library of high-quality games, uh, over 100, and any game in note that uh, not only is the library ever increasing but anything that games that are published by Xbox Game Studios so basically by Microsoft with the intention of publishing on um, consoles as well Microsoft does publish a number of games that are not meant to be on consoles with um, namely uh, the recent new flight simulator game which is great but not really related here but uh, games that are meant to go on there uh, go on the console. Whoever has Game Pass, it will be available to on launch day, which is really, really cool. So um, if for the to get access to the subscription uh, to the library, it is a minimum of ten dollars a month. And you just basically get the uh, get the library. However, they have an ultimate, um, tier of the subscription, which costs about $15 a month. And not only you get the library, but you also get the premium online subscription that you would have to buy for the console anyway. That would be $10 a month. So um, you can pay $10 a month to get the online access, online multiplayer access, or you could play $10 a month to get the um, access to the big library as well.
Those are two separate things, but you can get both for $15 a month. And uh, on top of that, the uh, the multi the multiplayer uh, subscription, which is called which they call Xbox Live Gold, will have uh, multiplayer and the occasional free game that you can add to your account thrown in as well. You might even want that to have want that even if you don't have an Xbox console, um, the Game Pass library. Because is even if you have a PC, just to bolster your library, really. Some, some, you know, if you like some of the games that Xbox Studios have been releasing. So that's not just including the high-profile like Halo games, but also some of the lower ones from Moon Studios, like Ori and the Blind Forest, or well, actually no, the the sequel to that game, Ori and the Will of the Wisps. Now it comes down to that all-important price, and as a matter of fact, uh, these two console manufacturers have been holding out for quite a long time it's almost been as if it was a stare down to see uh, who would fire first uh, it was microsoft who fired first and sony soon followed suit so if you wish to buy the xbox series x which is the more powerful uh 4k uh, version that plays uh, games with real-time ray tracing, native 4K at up to 120 frames per second if you have those really nice fancy TVs, you will be looking at a $500 price tag. Ouch. However, you that's not your only option. You also have the Series S, which doesn't really play at that high of a fidelity. However, it is $300 and also um we'll be able to play all the same games just not as a high fidelity as the xbox series s that's still a bit of an ouch however there are other options so above all if you're going to get an xbox and the which one you should get matters to whether or not you're going to you have or going to soon get a 4k tv if you don't have a 4K TV, there's no real reason why is or you don't plan on getting one soon. There's no reason why you should really spend the extra money on a Series X. They do have other options to getting this console, though. They have an option that allows you to put these things on payments. Okay. Now, hear me out here. This isn't. This is actually an interesting deal here. Okay. So. So the Xbox Series S, so the not as powerful one, you can get that for 24 months worth of $25 per month. Now, included with the $25 per month, you get the cons access to the console. So, like, you, you get the console. And you also get access to, to uh, Game Pass Ultimate. So you get the big library of games, and you get the online multiplayer, and you get the extra set of free games and exclusive discounts and all other miscellaneous benefits that come with Xbox Live Gold. So that's not a bad deal, and as a matter of fact, I've done the math. If you bought the is if you just bought the console with the cash, and then you went into Game Pass Ultimate, you'd actually you, if you took this. Um, if you took the payment option and you actually planned 
on actively playing this console for a good amount, you're putting a good amount of time into this uh, console, you will actually come out ahead. Because for the first two years of your ownership of the console, you uh, will, in Xbox Live, in, not in Xbox Live, in Game Pass Ultimate money, you'll be spending about $360. If you go for the payments for the first 24 months, you will spend about $600. So 600 minus 360 equals 240. So you would actually come out ahead um, with this deal at the end of the payments. And then after you've paid it off over the 24 months, uh, you get to keep the console and just keep paying for Game Pass. And that's basically your the cost of play, of your hobby, really, is that's... $15 a month plus whatever other accessories that you might want but you probably already have them because you can use the previous generations controller that you had it's actually a really good value proposition but moving on to the PlayStation 5 here so the PlayStation 5 is uh, they've actually priced it about the same thing the highest end version uh, with the Blu-ray drive is $500. And they have a digital edition, which actually has the same graphical fidelity as its higher-end version, is $400. So PlayStation off the bat has a higher cost of entry to the platform, but the cost doesn't end there. First off, uh, the only finance options that you have is, well, I don't know, your credit card maybe, which is not the best option at all oh and when i went through the playstation's website and looked for games to pre-order i noticed that an awful lot of them are 70 dollars or more the standard cost of games that have been well established for multiple generations has been 60 so on top of that there's also a 10 dollar price hike for just it being a playstation However, it makes up for in the access of the kinds of games that you can get. It has lots and lots of exclusives um, to this platform. You can't even get it on PC. So games like the new Spider-Man game, the last one was made by Insomniac, and that turned out great. So many people are looking forward to that one. We have Horizon Forbidden West, again, made by Gorilla, who's had a pretty darn good track record so far. We also have Ratchet and Clank Rift Apart. Hey, for once the subtitle is an innuendo. Uh, if you're not in uh, in the loop as, as far as those games are concerned, um, well, the game's in, passed in terms of, uh, the series passed in terms of the innu uh, subtitle innuendos is kind of ridiculous ranging from going commando up your arsenal size matters quest for booty and i'm talking about pirate booty by the way a crack in time and full frontal assault how wonderful but that's not all that's wonderful uh i've watched the trailer myself and I'll, i'm a sucker for 3d platformers and action and adventure as well uh thrown into that so this actually looks pretty neat as well so um i'm looking forward to having that come out speaking of 3d platformers sackboy a big adventure 
is uh, also a 3D platformer as well, and part of the beloved Little Big Planet franchise. I'm actually a little surprised that they went this direction. You see, Little Big Planet is sort of a creative game where they have 2.5D levels that uh, the developers make, and then within the game, they have a very a, a surprisingly robust level creation tool built right into the game and the ability for players to share them over the internet. It's really pretty cool, actually. But uh, I didn't see any hint of that in uh, Sackboy A Big Adventure. Moving on to car-based games, we have the infamous Gran Turismo 7, a very nice racing simulation game, and a very prestigious to name of to the PlayStation brand. And a little bit more on the arcade side, we have Destruction All-Stars. Seems like a rather fun and chaotic uh, destruction derby game with uh, graphics akin to Rocket League. So that looks pretty fun. And another uh, big exclusive game that they have is the Demon Souls remake as well. Lots of people are very much looking forward to that because after the release of Dark Souls, the publish not the publisher, the developer from software has been renowned for its high quality and consistent output of games. In addition to all of the games that I have described to you, PlayStation also tends to get um, these multi-platform games released first on their on their platform as well. So if you care about playing those the latest and greatest games um, that come out on console, and you want to play them before uh, before everything everyone else. That's a reason why you should consider PlayStation as well. Overall, we actually have some pretty good performances from both ends of the field here. So as to what I might end up getting myself, well, I have one of those good gaming PCs that I've mentioned earlier. So I think I'll just keep buying games for that. And I got a Switch too, so keep throwing money at that too nintendo makes a lot of really really awesome games and i just you know make get some very high profile games that actually i sometimes even buy games that i already own on pc and i just buy them again on switch because i get to take them on the go like that's a very big value add for me especially with stardew valley oh my goodness that that game uh, I've been intentionally avoiding that game because I have heard how of an addictive trap that game is. However, if you were looking to get into this hobby, or you're a pa parent who is who definitely knows that their child likes um, gaming, and you're definitely going to want and they're definitely going to want a console for numerous reasons including well you don't want to give your uh you don't feel comfortable giving your kid access to a computer to a full-blown computer and all of the possibilities that in the different ways that they can can get in trouble with that um i'd say probably xbox too 
because you just get the subscription while they're you just get the subscription and as far as the christmas budget is concerned you're not spending all that much really you can then use that leftover money that you would have spent on the playstation and get some additional accessories get some more games and well actually shoot you know you, you get the one on payment you kind of don't really need to buy games for them really because you know xbox game studios they release games pretty regularly so games that get released on that and then older some older games that get added to the game pass library shoot you don't even have to so long as you keep up the payments really you don't really have to get games for your kid unless you want them to physically have the game disc i mean there's advantages to that too i mean you, with consoles or whatnot you can own games that have resale value but um yeah i mean i guess if i were a parent getting a kid a console and i didn't want to get them a pc i don't know i, I gave them a chromebook and i don't want them to have one yeah I'd, I'd get them an xbox one s or an xbox one x if i had a 4k tv that's it for our technical discussion.
You are listening to the Digital Odyssey on Hawk Radio on Anchor.fm. What you just heard was Gusty Guarding Galaxy as a part of the Super Mario Galaxy soundtrack released back in 2007. You might actually re- uh, remember the certain melody uh, as part of the last uh, track that I've played for you guys during our music break. That's uh, that's no accident. That was actually one of the best uh, sound... Um, music that has ever really come out of Nintendo out of that time, right there, and was one of the most beloved games, uh, uh, no, beloved tracks in that whole game, and in fact been remade and uh, remixed in all sorts of different ways by the fan base of Nintendo, including Insane in the Rain, who has put a wonderful little spin in his uh, movement in the, as that he would call the joy of gaming, which I feel accurately resembles what it feels like to have joy when we play games. Well, that's all we have for today. I hope you enjoyed listening to what I had to say as much as I enjoyed having to say it. Thank you for tuning in. Have a great day.